is Flipping Tables Podcast, episode 15, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so today we have a guest. Why don't you tell us who you are and why people should be interested in listening to you? Hi, my name is David Thomas. Um, people should listen to me because um, as I get older, I've accumulated all kinds of interesting tales and stories. And uh, pr- probably most relevant to this podcast, I am Mike and David Lyons' boss. <laughs> we were absolutely not bullied into you being here. I, th- I think that there's there's really no conflict of interest whatsoever in me attending this podcast. Yeah, I, I don't think so. We don't have advertisers, so I would say the guns trained on us right now are not. This is a labor anything. of love. I'm absolutely. sort of surprised it took you 15 episodes to have me on. I mean, I'm kind of like wondering. I mean, you know, like like how long can these guys go before they put me on? Because you know, they're starting to compromise their. Employment integrity. <laughs> we had to make Just sure. Just kidding. We, I have to say that. We, no, I don't think you do because we're both fired. We had to make sure our setup here was up to your standard. Oh, right. So, Work so, out so, the right. kinks, get, right. get our rapport going. So this is your first platinum broadcast, really? Yes. This we, is we had, the new episode yes. one. We had 16 beta episodes, <laughs> and then we're here. And as if to uh, basically contradict all your you know proclamations, this is going to be a great podcast. We pretty much ruined that already. Did we? Five minutes in, we haven't talked about anything. Yeah, it's just been meta. What's wrong with us? Meta's important. Stack Overflow has an entire meta channel. Didn't you guys go to like the Cleveland Institute of Broadcasting or something and learn how to... Connecticut. Zing the audience with something, you know. Pazow! Like, woman has seven babies. Have you heard about that? We've got to talk about that. This is not BuzzFeed. Oh, that's right. Sorry, BuzzFeed. So I think how to make people listen to your podcast with this one weird trick? Yes, <laughs> don't be boring. And and the 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 gif that goes with it is never actually related. It's always like a siren on top of a woman's head. So I think okay, you, you were yeah. gonna tell yeah, there it was. So I think you were gonna tell us today about the F minus, the story of the F minus. Well, as a quick background, um, you know my 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 academic mentor Joe Uhas. He's a retired professor of architecture at the University of Colorado, and um, he's a, he's one of the the guys that really is kind of the, considered to be the fathers of environmental psychology. And let's just say Joe has an interesting way of looking at the world, um, uh, a very precise and and poetic way of looking at the world. And so the story of the F minus goes something along the lines of this. And and by the way, we're already into hearsay because I'm going to tell somebody else's story. But I will start with my story, and then we will. You can act like it's yours. Yeah, this is like I'm like this regular Don Quixote. I'm going to you know tell a story in a story. But my story is this: is I was on a walk one day with with Joe in Boulder, and um, we were just walking and talking about politics and life, and certainly architecture sometimes. And I stopped in front of this house and. I, I can't really describe this house effectively other than to say it, it was it was large, it was old, and it was just mind-numbingly ugly. I, I, it, was, it was hard <laughs> to figure out like who would even live in it. It was the kind of house that you looked at and thought it would be scary to live in this house. And not because it was like old or decrepit, just because it's like it didn't make any sense. The windows were in the wrong place, and it just it just didn't. It just looked I don't know. It looked it looked really really like kind of scary. And uh, Joe walks up to me as in kind of his perfectly Joe way, looked at the building for a minute and said, now that's an F minus. I laughed because I just thought that it really was pretty much an F minus. And, and then he told me the story of the F minus, which now I'm going to tell you. So, um, so apparently um, for Joe's entire academic career, he has insisted upon giving people F minuses at time. 
And to hear Joe explain it, the reason that you would give someone an F minus, although by the way, those of you that are not in higher ed or in academics, you might know might not know this, but mo- most of the systems of record refuse to let you give someone an F minus. Yeah, so and, g- and F is pretty much the bottom of the. Yeah, barrel. they're just the you know, but but Zero he would do it 59. anyway. You know, he would just give people an F minus because he's like, I'm the professor, and they earned an F minus. So <laughs> the logic of the F minus is this: is sometimes doing nothing would have been preferable to what was done. That actually you made things worse it was by trying better to, to have never lived at yeah, all. So, so in this person's case, it would have been better to be homeless than to live in this house. Yeah, with the architect never having to build this. So so then he tells the story of the F minus, of how, like his, his kind of quintessential F minus story. And uh, I, I'm going to get the details wrong because now we're at least into three levels of storytelling inception. Um, Oral tradition. Yes, but... Uh, Joe gave a final, and you know, kind of the way Joe would give a final, it was it was, it was a picture of a piece of architecture. In this case, it was a picture of a, a home in California that had been turned into a um, a restaurant. So it was like a regular kind of suburban home with some tables on the the yard and a sign for the restaurant. And this kid sat there for the entire duration of the um, of the of the the final exam, looking at this picture with his blue book. Doesn't leave, sits there for the, I don't know, the hour, two hours of the final period, and then he turns in a blue book, and in the blue book, the kid has written, after an hour, hour and a half, uh, two hours, dinning in public. That's all that he was managed to come up with. He, couldn't, he didn't even spell dining right, so dinning in public. And Joe gave him an F-, minus because really, he could have just got up at the beginning of the session and left, and what would he have earned? An F. An F. But he had to stay there. He had to sit there and produce something to get something worse than an F. And then what's really, truly exciting about the F- minus is that is that then you, it starts to bend your reality a little bit because you're, like, starting to think, maybe I'm the person that doesn't get it, you know? Someone that can actually take an F and, you know, go through the looking glass, there's something really special there. So so uh, since then, I, I've really kind of added F- minus to my aesthetic kind of lenses and there's a lot of F minuses. I'm I'm interested in buildings, so I'm always looking for F minus buildings. But let's just be honest. There's F minus people. There's F minus <laughs> behavior. There's F minus food. I think F minus is just a standard. So to be clear, it's at. not just something that's terrible. It has to reach some like special magical level of. I think so. Terrible. You know, it's like I've talked to my kids a lot about this because they're trying to understand the F minus. I think you know, as Americans, the worst sin is everything's a C, right? I mean, everything's just okay. It, like like you know you look at a you look out the window at a building I call them square houses they're all these you know square condos that exist everywhere and they're they're really not they're not f minuses they're not that bad you know if done done well they're c's they're just sort of like you know yeah okay you showed up you're capable of a lot more you just didn't do it a lot of them are d's it's just like you're not <laughs> smart enough to do this but you really tried I mean you were you were, you were paying attention you just aren't that good and then there's f's where it's just like you know. You just you, you, you're incompetent. You didn't try. You know you didn't have the right resources. But to get to an F minus, you really had to you had to strive and fail. You know. So I feel like um, we talked about with uh, with your brother with pseudo Justin about uh, like being able to enjoy a bad movie. So is an F minus something you can strive for? Like, can you screw up that bad on purpose, or does that have to just happen? Like, can you make the movie The Room on purpose? Or does it have to be... Now, I won't say that I'm a scholar of the F minus. I'm, I'm, I'm a student, as we all are. But my, my, my immediate reaction to that is to say, no, I don't think that you can try for an F minus. I, I, I think that it's like you have to, you have to really, with, with earnestness, try to do better. 
and you, you fail because you just you just really are not prepared for what you're about to do. And so, like a Mel Brooks movie is not going to be an F minus because it's well, I guess they they could be really bad spoof movies, but, but no, they're, they're that's like of, scary movie. <laughs> yeah, but those <laughs> movies are kind of funny inside of their own their own shell. But I, th- I think you're right. I think you know the movies that like we just consider to be so terrible, they're funny. Like the old you know kind of like the old karate movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's the thing you're probably right because they've kind of become their own kind of elevated genre. Um, let's talk about F minus buildings. That's what I look at. No, but I, I, I think there's something to the F minus because this, the premise is very simple. Is it's like having done nothing would have been better than this. You would have earned more points if you would have done nothing. So, for anyone who's familiar with the Denver area, is there a, a public or well-known building you can think of that you would give an F minus to? Well, um, the other day we took a I took a walk from my neighborhood and just I, I called it the F, Denver F minus walk. It was just looking for <laughs> buildings that were F minuses, and you know they're they're hard to come by. I mean, as they should be. I mean, you know, there, there's there's few great works of architecture, and I think that <laughs> that F minuses are sort of rarefied, you know, because. You know, something like building a building, I mean, even even if you're really unprepared to do it well, it takes a lot of resources, right? It just takes a lot of, like, material to put anything together, and it takes a certain level of expertise to build something that doesn't fall down. I mean, a building <laughs> that falls down is just kind of an F. It's like, well, that was an F. You just did it wrong. Um, so, so I don't know. I mean, the, the, the examples that I would have seen, I think you'd have to actually just go see them. I mean, there's a house that's over by my neighborhood that is, it's so out of scale. I mean, first of all, it's just like, it's like the size of a small office building, but it's clearly a single family home. And it's clad in this sort of like, like, I don't know, like antique wood that you might find, you know, on some sort of like cottage in Aspen. And it's got kind of this weird sloping shape to the roof. I mean, it looks like a combination of a bunch of bad ideas at, <laughs> at giant scale. And I say that's 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 my favorite F minus because it just is so crazy. You just want to know what's going on in there. And of course, Joe looked at that house and he says, "Yeah, that's an F minus." And then he says, "I think a bunch of Satanists live in there." And so all you can imagine is that people that like really feel evil about the world would live there. And then another F minus. I mean, Joe he pointed out on the same walk, and it was it was a piece of this sort of faux modernism. If you're not clear on what faux modernism is it's like every square building built in the last 20 years you know oh is that the like bare concrete look uh yeah yeah but mostly it's all this mixed material stuff stucco with some oh look we'll put some you know corrugated steel on the side you know it'll look it'll look like, like chipotle kind of but you know <laughs> even chipotle's got more style and joe's looking at this building he goes now oh, that's an f minus and you had to look at it because it was invisible in the in the in the urban you know scene where it's just like there's a million of these kind of fake modernist buildings but you looked at it, and it was just like it was like somebody had taken the, the the pattern book of contemporary architecture and then like cut and pasted this this horrible Frankenstein of a building. Because when you look it's like at a it, serial killer letter of a building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when you look at it, your brain first you just sort of says, "Oh, building." But when you actually look at it, you're like, "Going, this doesn't even make any sense." It's like there's windows and like like why are there windows at your feet level? You know. And it's like you could just see it. Just it's like you start to think about a home as a place that you'd actually want to feel comfortable in. This was just some sort of like weird wacky shack modernist architecture. So so in a way, they sort of become intrigued by how something could go that wrong, you know. So I'm wondering if this is like uh, like discordant minor key music. Like someone who knows nothing about music, when you hear minor key music, you still know it's like ominous and something's wrong. So knowing nothing about architecture, would I look at one of these buildings and be like, uh, something's just not right? 
that, it feels think, like Satanists would live there. I think someone would have to point it out to you by and large because you'd have to see it. You know, like if you look at like in Denver, the Hamilton Wing, the extension, the, the Daniel Liebeskin extension of the, the Denver <coughs> Art Museum. I mean, it's really exaggerated, right? I mean, it's very easy to have a reaction to it. And it's not F minus because it's in a way it's like you can argue it's bad architecture. You can argue it's great architecture, but it's very present. I mean, it's very, you know, it, it kind of engages you. And to me, an F minus is something that like – it just you don't even see it, you know. It just it kind of goes by. You have to actually sit there and scrutinize it. It's like um, I, I don't know. Like you, you go to an art museum, right? And they're just so overwhelmed with art that you almost have to have someone sometimes stand you in front of a painting, and you have to kind of sit there for a while and really take it in to sort of realize like how amazing that that painting is. I mean, rarely is, is a single painting just grab you. I think that's kind of the way an F minus is. I think an F minus is it's a it's a sort of an aesthetic form that you really have to contemplate it and just realize like how could something have gone this wrong? Is it time to mention Fresco Jesus? <laughs> yeah, see that's an F minus. That is that is totally an F minus. Perfect. Talk about that. Well, that was the guy who did. I'm, this has got to be the There's fourth or fifth time yeah. we've mentioned Fresco Genius. Jesus, <laughs> Fresco Genius is <laughs> a kind of Fresco Genius, and. Uh, I feel like it was a woman that did it? Yeah. Okay, so the, this person, because it doesn't matter. Had they, the best of intentions. The best of intentions, right? And that's really it, is they didn't do nothing. They, they showed up. Yeah, if you up. haven't seen this, Google Fresco Jesus. All right, we'll definitely put it. It's yet been, another link it's been like notes. 15 episodes. We'll yeah, and you got to make sure you, you see the original it. to realize how F-minus the attempt is. So Yeah. Well, it's uh, it, it really smacks of afterwards. You can imagine this person saying, I don't know what I expected to happen. Like, I'm not a trained art rest, uh, restorer, right? I guess you have it up on your machine right now. Yeah. Don't even let me see it because I'll just giggle like an idiot for the rest of the show. Well, I think that there it is. There, there's the, there is the, uh, the icon of the F-. minus. I mean, truly, I mean, without any interpretation, without any literary you know, embellishment, it would have been better to have done nothing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. However, is there a picture of what the damaged piece looked like? Oh, there's Halloween costumes. <laughs> no, no. no. B- before it was know, restored. Yeah, but so, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the yeah, piece is really distressed. It's really you know. But but you're, you're saying it would have been better to let it continue to decay, right. Than to do this. Yeah. So. So there you go. That's the F minus. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> just just let it go. For it's, the kids at home, we're looking at. Fresco we'll genius. have a link in the notes, the show notes. So I feel like that's, but that's important that a layman I think could recognize not exactly what qualities make something an F minus, but that that any person could just be like, maybe you should have just not helped. But see, even that you have to have it pointed out to you, because if you just saw that picture in in you know in the context of a lot of other pictures, you'd just be like, well, that's a really bad painting i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't you kind of have to you have to see it you need to really take time to look at it and see how wrong it's gone <laughs> and what's fascinating about the fresco jesus and it's a perfect example is then you you start to go you get it that's an f minus but you have to look at it right because you have to really say like what what why what did go wrong with this and, and then you start to at a certain point in time to me this is the ultimate great part of the f minus at a certain point in time you look at the fresco jesus and there's a little part of your brain that says but maybe it is better 
Maybe she really did improve it. Oh. Maybe our standards of beauty are wrong. Maybe this is what art's about. Art is about. This is when you've gone to plaid. <laughs> I just. I, Lights I, be too slow. I'm not. I'm not saying that, it, that you're overwhelmed with that feeling, but it nags at you. It nags at you but that maybe you've got it wrong. This to me makes the F minus a. Now I understand why he thought Satanists live there because. This makes the the F minus a subversive and destructive force in the universe because it makes you question the quality of a thing. Right, and this is why you know we've got all these people that kind of worship kitsch and they worship bad TV shows, and you know uh, there's a, there's 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 a, there's a kind of a, a youth culture that's always been kind of like counterculture. I mean, I remember when I was a kid watching movies like Easy Rider or whatever, and I never understood why bikers wore Nazi paraphernalia, right? Cause it just seemed weird to me because I used to read World War II stuff and I thought that was like in context very interesting. And someone had to explain it to me. They're like, oh, in the 60s, that was really transgressive to wear that stuff because you know those people's dads had fought in the war. Yeah. You know? And so I think, there's, I think the F- is, is tied up a little bit in just poking an eye in establishment. But remember, the F- is aesthetic. It's all about aesthetics. It's about like, like our standards of beauty, are we just wrong, you know? I, I think a good F minus has to challenge you. So is it a Hegelian antithesis for you? I don't know if it is. We'll never get anywhere because the F minus will always drag down the A plus. Because you know, like the Guggenheim is one of the most amazing pieces of architecture I've ever seen, and I have not seen the Guggenheim about the F minus yet. So <laughs> the most amazing F minus. The, the F minus that's just like world renowned for its F minusness. So. <laughs> so I'm I'm really now you've got me curious. Like, is something so horrible that it makes you question your view of the world maybe actually a good thing like do we need things like that do we need uh, i think should a, should every museum thing. have a fresco jesus in it so we recognize <laughs> should, the beauty of the artwork probably, well i mean a couple of things on that first thing i should say is that you have exhausted the entire amount of effort i've ever put into thinking about the f minus <laughs> so we're in the virgin territory here well good but what's it's, your, what's it's a your, world first. With your bikers wearing Nazi paraphernalia thing, that's more like an intentional countercultural thing, though it seems like most of the F-minus examples have not been sort of intentional disruptions of... I think that's what makes it an F-minus and why we need the term F-minus and not just pranksterism or, you know, or counterculture. Yeah. But I'm saying I think it's tied up in that same kind of aesthetic sense of you start to feel like maybe you're wrong, you know, I, mm-hmm. there's something there. And I don't remember there, there's a, there's an art tradition. I think it's in it's in mosaics where you you make these really exotic mosaics and you have to have one tile that's like the wrong color or out of place or whatever as sort of your your flaw that reveals the beauty and everything else. So I think there's something to be said that artists have have played with that. What I would say though is I think though that what's amazing about the F minus is the F minus is perfectly bad, right? <laughs> it's just gone so wrong that like you couldn't, you almost couldn't recreate the fresco Jesus. You just can't make these things again, uh, and, and nor should you. You know, they're they're, they're really one of a kind. I think there's something to that because, like, when you get good at something, if like you want to try to do it badly, almost like you you've so ingrained the right way to do things, it's like difficult yeah, that's, to do um, it wrong. I, I first heard that idea attributed to music, but it works for anything. Yeah, where like, a, a mediocre person can only be mediocre, but a really good person at their craft can do it really well or really poorly because they know <laughs> what to do wrong to do it poorly. But how good would you have to be to intentionally Maybe, do? but it, it'd still be like a practiced bad, like a, a well-rehearsed bad <laughs> thing. But 
<laughs> so what I, I mean, what I was thinking about too this morning is what, and this is the 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 the, the philosophical end of the F minus that's interesting to me is, you know, we all work in, in in education, higher ed, and you know, grades are really important. I mean, we, we could have a whole conversation about whether grades are a good or a bad thing, but grades are really important, right? Grade inflation, and and you come to the university to earn a degree, but you earn a degree through a series of grades, and and I think that there's something really fascinating to me about the F minus because the F minus kind of brings into question the whole grading schema, right? I mean, it just sort of says you can get an A or B or C or D or an F, but what if you get an F minus too? It sort of suggests that there's a <laughs> counter set of standards that, that are accessible that you're not presented with. I mean, every student in, has come into the point at one point in time where they feel like they've been unfairly assessed, Right. The question was unfair. The teacher didn't understand my argument. The class is stupid. I mean, whatever it is. <laughs> it always degrades to the class is stupid. And I just, you know, I kind of, you know, to me, the, the F minus itself is, is a, a great idea because it kind of mocks the whole idea of assessment, right? It kind of, or certainly it mocks the idea of objective assessment because in objective assessment, there can be nothing worse than zero points, right? In an objective scale, you know, I mean, it's 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 uh, in an objective scale, you can never get worse than zero. But in the F minus, it's sort of like it sort of creates this milieu of of assessments to sort of say there's completely contra assessments that could be done, and, and I like that because I'm always struggling, like I think a lot of teachers are, about how objective is grading. You know, how, how much am I really assessing what a student knows or how well they perform, and how much of it are I just pulling it out of my hat? So, so is it like you discovered complex and imaginary numbers, and it's like you get a 4i for your grade? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, you think about it this way. I mean, you know, sometimes eventually people in instructional, you know, uh, theory will eventually resort to sports metaphors about assessment. And, and this is inevitable because sports are always have very objective and clear measures, like right? Ad reducto sports like, metaphor. Yeah, they're just you know so so it's like how many points the winner you know the winner is the one with the most points who objectively performed better the one with the most points. But I think it's about John this Madden. like think think about think about um, you know a foot race right ten ten guys in the Olympics to run a hundred yards the starting gun that start and then you run right and then you get to say the the place is based on what what place everybody goes in you could replace those with you know a gets first b gets right so but what if the, there's a guy that the 10th guy in the 10th lane he looks across all the other people and he just doesn't go right well to me that would what be, if he doesn't go that would be the zero like falling face first at the start or no, running no, not falling. just ch- makes it makes a choice and doesn't run so he hasn't failed the race right he hasn't oh, he, failed the race he's He's chosen not to participate. Or what if he turns around and runs in the opposite direction, right? Now, there's probably some rule that I don't know of in, in track and field that says if you run You're the wrong out. direction, you've gone out of bounds, right? <laughs> but what if you just stay in the starting blocks and don't run? Or what if you take you, you become Zeno and you take infinite amounts of time to walk there? To me, I'm starting to think I, – I think this is why – I think that See, even the most, objective, the most objective of measures is haunted by this – this this counter performance, this thing where, you know, having not showed up to the race would be preferable than to stay in the starting blocks, right? Yeah. So is this like the Broncos Super Bowl? Like it would have better, been better to not have played. <laughs> wow, that was as close to a sports F minus as I've ever seen. But yes, yes, that 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 may have been the sports F minus. To just back out and just be like, you guys win. We'll mail you the ring. But I'm just I'm interested in this. I'm interested in, in you know trying to think about like you know. 
what's fair assessment? You know, how, how do we assess things? I, I mean, to me, it's all part of the kind of the 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 the, the haunting of modern life by rationalism, which is, people always think rationalism is this thing that has been with us forever, and it's not true. I mean, Western rationalism is pretty much exactly about 550 years old. I mean, pretty much so exactly. as we started to believe the world was machine-like. Yeah, it's Francis Bacon. I mean, you know, he started to take Aristotelian philosophy and turn it into what was sort of the basis of, you know, kind of modern scientific method. And we started to think everything was that way. But, you know, I, I is again, it goes back to Joe and thus the F minus. I, you know, Joe is, is like a very rational guy. I mean, just incredibly rational guy. But he's a psychologist. So he kind of says, there's a lot of things that are not rational. Like, like, is the world round or flat? Round? Look out the window. Is the world round or flat? Right. So, yeah, based on that observation, psychologically, the world is extremely flat, right? right. And even <laughs> even when people start to teach you the tricks like the horizon, right? You get it. I mean, rationally, but observationally, if we were to trust our instincts and our senses, the world's flat, right? So, is the world round or flat? Now, if you ask any kid over like first grade, they'll say the world is round, right? That's just sort of the tyranny of rationalism because it just sort of says we've been taught that the world is round, so we say that, but we live in a world that's flat. What's the right answer? It's probably both. It's you know, it's probably quite a bit more ambiguous. So I think that you know the F minus starts to become a a way to undermine some of our culture of assessment. It starts to become a way to to think about the fact that you know there's there's other ways of looking at things. But at the same time, I think the F minus is anchored in 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 an absolute and abject failure. Plus, so, <laughs> so that that's its method. That's its uh, injection method. Or. Infection. Yeah, maybe maybe the F minus really is an F minus, but I think it does bring into question the the the, the probably the very um, artificial apparatus that creates the A, right? So we have a, a false op or confidence in our objective assessment, and it's really concealing things, perhaps. Sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> or convincing us that's all there is to it, or something. I mean, flip back to music, right? I mean, you know, it, again, it depends on who you ask, but you know. If you ask the average American, you know, what's what's the highest form of music, they're going to say Beethoven or the Beatles. I mean, you're kind of get something in that milieu, right? <laughs> One and, or the other. Well, I just, I'm just saying. you may start say, with a B. Yeah, it's going to start <laughs> with a B. Beach but then, you know, so, so we grew up in this world where we kind of get why someone would make the argument that the Beatles were the greatest form of music or get why Beethoven's the greatest form of music. And then we'll hear something from, you know, Indonesia or something, and it's just really like tinny to our ears or, twi- you know, I don't – and then we start to go, well, there's something wrong with that, right? I mean, our immediate, our immediate emotional reactions are something wrong with that, which is weird because we're taught that music is is emotional. It's, it's universal, <laughs> and it's just like, well, clearly, it's not a universal language because you have to learn the idioms. I mean, you know, we use a twelve tone scale, right? Not every culture uses twelve tone scales. There's yeah, other ways of making music, and so I think there's a certain sense that, like, the F minus doesn't necessarily say that everything is right it just brings into question the framework that you're looking at so if Derrida makes sense at all maybe that's it it's just about creating a difference that helps make meaning so I have to I did drop Derrida on you right there thank god I'm done that's all I can say about him <laughs> drop the mic no, don't out. bring Derrida too late done that dude's crazy <laughs> so I, I have to take your incredibly high-minded philosophy and apply it to something really rigid and specific and by the way you guys want to talk about f minus i wanted to talk about girls <laughs> just kidding next time next time um there are probably some f minus girls you could talk about 
That would give a no, great no. vibe to our podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. like the misogyny vibe. <laughs> thing. Like, there are F minus men. Go, girls, they don't understand me. It could just be F minus people. Non-gender specific, <laughs> F minus terrible human beings. Yeah, like Hitler. So he's the prototype F minus person. <laughs> it, him? I don't know. Who's an F minus person? That's a, that's I, a I feel like he was intentionally here. evil. I don't... He succeeded like need, at being terrible. We'd also need to dig up some Darwin Award. Ooh, there you go. Darwin Awards are <laughs> F minus people. But what I want to know is if, decisions, if, as as a a lauded PhD holding university professor, if you were going to assign an F minus to someone, how would you want that to impact their GPA? Because I'm just curious. Would you want it to actually be worse than zero? To, not, to reflect the minusness, I, I I don't know. Like I'm a, I'm really on the fence. I mean, in the sense that I think that you know I think that that our job as educators is to provide assessment, but I think more formative assessment. You know, I want people to sort of like learn from the feedback. I think without feedback, there's no teaching. So I think grades are a part of that. They're they're a part of the many levels of feedback that we give. So so I think that in one sense that sort of feedback is important. On the other hand, I think it's totally arbitrary. You know, I just it's it's kind of like the difference between an A and a B. It's like what is? I mean, I don't. If I guess I would say it this way: if I really believed in grades, I would have given maybe one A in my life, and I would have given. Have prim- you been teaching for how long? I don't know, fifteen years. I, I, I would have <laughs> given. I would have given almost all C's. Because what's the what's the standard? Is it you know is it a standard a measure of the you know people amongst themselves, or of, in comparison to what I know? And the comparison to ability to do stuff, but this would be, be all true. I mean, you know, it's just like, uh, like in our in our job life, you know, we get told this, oh, there's a five point scale, and three is doing your job, right? A three, a C, is okay. <laughs> like it's, a, and I'm like, I totally understand this this rhetoric, right? Which is like, hey, if you're doing your job and you get a three slash a C, that's fine. We're not trying to move you out. We think you're doing a great job, right? So I would just say, yeah, I would like to live in that world where it's just like, if you get an A. It's just like you know, it's like winning a Pulitzer Prize or something. Like you, like you put that on your shelf. But you're like, yeah, look, I'm a student. I'm just. Or there's an old Gallagher joke as I as I riff through these things. Um, Gallagher says, "I hate college students. They're always walking around talking about how smart they are." Because you don't find people in the hospital talking about how well they are. <laughs> so you know, I, we had a keynote speaker a few years ago at our events, the Spring Symposium. You know, uh, Brad King is a professor at, at Ball State. I love when Brad said, he says, yeah, I'll give students their first assignment. He says, a lot of times I'll just give them all Fs, their first assignment, because I tell them, I go, if that's the best that you can do, then you fail. You know, it's just like, you, you've got a lot of learning to do in this class if you want to get a better grade. And so, 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 yeah, so, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, I think it's all kind of arbitrary, so I don't really want to punish people with an F-. minus. I think if, I, if someone got an F-, minus, I think that should be a, a signal to them to do something else. <laughs> you know, an F is that you failed. You didn't try hard enough, right? But an F minus is like, well, that's wow. Maybe you see something that I don't see. So is there maybe? So I can't teach you anything. Is there maybe no recovery from the F minus? Like whoever built the F minus building that you saw on your your F minus walk, can that person never be a good architect? They either need to accept the fact that the standards of architecture that have been given to them for two thousand years in Western history have so little meaning to them that they should run with it. 
or they should do something else. So they're, they're like so completely other. They're like the the alien in Solaris. They're just like so <laughs> wildly. So I've talked different. myself around to it that I think that you should be able to give an F minus. I don't think it should drag your GPA down because you know your GPA is a bucket that holds a lot of things. But I think it should be a teacher telling a student. Unless you really see something that I don't see, you need to do something else. You're not that good at this. <laughs> so I do respect the the reflectiveness of the F minus, though, because it's it's not just oh my god, you're the worst person ever. It's oh my god, I think you're the worst person ever. What do you know that I don't know <laughs> yeah, that made this okay to you? <laughs> I think that's how the- does your mind work? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about that kid that sat through an hour and a half. You know. Thing, I mean, part of it just may have been fear, you know, just it didn't want Was to it be dinning outdoors. But if you're like that unprepared for your exam, why not just not show up? Have you, I mean, ever in your your career, did you just not show up for something that you were unprepared for? Uh, no, but I've also never been given an F minus. Oh, I don't, you know, I'm trying to think that probably I, somewhere along the lines there was a test or a quiz or something that I just didn't, I wasn't prepared yeah, for. So, you just don't go. so I stayed home sick. Yeah. You know, that's that's a normal human reaction. But what's it like to be the person that goes, I, 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 you know, I'm in the Olympics. I am totally unprepared for this race. I'm going to just stand in the starting blocks until they disqualify me. I don't know. I definitely showed up to my lit class having not read a story. And then they ask you, like a pop quiz, just like, <laughs> this guy brought this to, and it was like, oh, I got nothing. But a glove. Did, did you know they were going to? Give you a quiz? I knew that quizzes happened in this course. Okay. So you were you were gambling on the F minus. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, I'm either gonna be a faceless drone in the crowd or heaven forbid they call on me and I'm like, uh Yeah, I don't I mean I mean what what would be an F minus behavior in that? I think an F behavior is like I don't know, you know. An F minus would be more to like want to attempt to answer a question that you have no information. It would be like, like you know, I walk into French class, I don't know French, and the teacher asks me a question, so I start muttering gibberish in attempt to speak French. I mean, to me, that would be kind of like, wow, saying nothing would have been. See, so you know what this is reminding that. me of? Do you remember when like some ex Googler tried to make a search engine called Cuel C U I L? And uh, yes. it would give such strange results that on Reddit they came up with this idea called Kill Theory, which is like <laughs> the layers of abstraction that the results would be from what you asked for. And so like it was measured in Kill. So it's like one Kill was you asked for a hamburger and I gave you a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> and like it just got more strange as it went from there. So he did this by accident. He was well, actually trying to write a search engine? Well, yeah, he, he worked for Google and then he tried to spin out and do his own thing and it turned out he couldn't yeah, f minus all those search engines are hard to do but yeah it wasn't just like a bad search engine it was a an f minus search engine yes well something else i'd say about f minus which is very important which is you know it's it's tempting to think of this 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 cosmic universe where there's the gods of the a and the gods of the f minus and they live on the uh, uh, olympus of assessment but but i think that what we're talking about is is an, at the end of the day i mean Aesthetics are this combination of real human experience. You know, I mean, like, like there's something amazing about you know um, the Guggenheim, right? There's something really amazing about a Beethoven symphony. I mean, there's something that that really attracts people in a way that's non-intellectual. That really makes something an A. It makes it aesthetically beautiful. 
but at the same time, it's still an argument, right? I mean, you know, we can argue Beatles versus Beethoven, or we can argue, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright versus, well, you can't because he's the best, but, you know, <laughs> you, you can argue one building versus another. And I think it's important. So, so I think the F minus sits in the same thing. I mean, there's got to be something about an F minus that, that, like, once it's pointed out to you, it's like the arrow on FedEx. You can't unsee <laughs> the F minus, right? It's, it's not just like, see that building out there? That's ugly. And you're like, well, I don't know if it's that ugly. I mean, once you've seen an F minus, it's just, like you know it, it's just like it's like seeing a face that's asymmetrical and, and then you your, your brain never can unsee that so, so there's something universal about it but there's also an argument there and so i think it's important that the you microsoft know, kin phone so i think the cool <laughs> thing is a great example of like i think there's an argument i mean there's something there's something's gone horribly awry there and whether it's an f minus or not is the argument and i guess if i were to, to you know because my teacher part that like wants to bring everything into some sort of a loop of meaning I think the important part of the F minus is it allows people to explore something beyond success and failure. You know, it gives them this new range of like 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 positive and negative. New space. dimension. <laughs> it's a total new dimension, dude. So I I know you have seen the Adam Sandler movie Billy Madison. Yeah. Have you are you familiar with this movie? That's the one we have to go back to school, right? Exactly. I yes. haven't seen that one, but I generally it, like Adam Sandler. It, it's movies. one of his like quintessential those mid to late nineties Adam Sandler style movies better than Happy Gilmore. Uh, That'd be hard because that's yeah. almost a perfect movie. Although The it, Water Boy is a perfect. It's movie. in the but, same category in but, his canon. Yeah, but the reason I bring <laughs> that he has a canon. Is the reason I bring it up amazing. is because you made me think about the when you said the kid who showed up and dinning in public, which cracks me up so much um but he so he toward the end of the movie they ask him a question in this academic decathlon and he gives this long rambling answer and then the famous scene is the host's reply to his answer which i'll, I'll throw the youtube link in the show notes but he basically the the takeaway quote is everyone in this room is dumber for having heard your answer. <laughs> That's an F minus. Exactly. He's like, I award you no points. Yes. May God have mercy on your soul. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's. I feel like that. The next time you feel like giving an F minus, that's this is perfect. So now I have Fresco Jesus and Adam Sandler to start to round out the fact that, that there is such a thing as an F minus. Yes. It's not. It's not been fully like theorized. Like said. <laughs> Who's that? Geely. The, um, the Ben. Pretty much. But, uh, Affleck. Ben Affleck, yeah, it's pretty much universally regarded as uh, Kevin Smith's worst movie. Oh, it, was it J Lo? Ben Affleck and J Lo. Except for the problem that, in retrospect, all Kevin Smith movies are the worst Kevin Smith movie ever. <laughs> oh, I like some of Kevin Smith's. Movies. No, you're wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your opinion. You are is in fact great. mistaken about that. So I feel like. Um, I think we've nailed the F minus. So you came in thinking you knew everything about the F minus, and we've I, together we've collaborated. I, I think that this just shows you know together you know anything is possible. <laughs> as soon as this is done, I'm gonna have to show you that Billy Madison clip because it is. And it, I'm gonna it's have the to, student you described. I'm gonna have to send this to Joe because I think either he'll be honored that I'm carrying on the tradition of one of many great kind of you know Joe Yuha's you know kind of worldviews. Or he may be like, why didn't you just have me on the show to talk about the F minus? We could bring him Ooh, up. I would. I would love to have Joe on the podcast. The F minus part two. It's it's done. I, I will. I will. We'll have a follow up. You will have a follow up F minus show with Joe. He'll have to listen to this first to realize <laughs> how far we've taken the F minus. That's true. We can't have him come in blind because he might be an F minus guest. But I don't know. You know, I, I um. <laughs> 
you know. So, so you know, for all the for all the teachers out there, add the F minus to your toolkit. It's not like one more point of badness. It's a whole new frontier of feedback. I think. I feel, I feel like this is like a thesis or a dissertation waiting to happen. I think if higher ed worked the way that it ought, there there would be more things like this. More, <laughs> more F minus. The way you thought. <laughs> no, just more, more like uh, you know. I'll speak to myself. It's like when I was doing my my, my dissertation research, I really had a, a primary personal criteria. I mean, there's lots of criteria that you have to sort of pass to, to achieve the academic you know piece. But my personal criteria was to have a research question that I could just tell people when they say, "Oh, what are you researching?" I didn't want to say, "I'm looking at the diabiotic you know uh, breakdown <laughs> of chromosomes in the." I, I didn't want to be like, "I'm looking at you know." The color red in, uh, you know, fashion between 1712 and 1713. I want to have some of the people just be like, oh, so you know, my, my research question was, oh, what makes places fun? Now, honestly, that's a conversation killer as much as anything else. People would actually always respond to, oh, what are you writing your paper on, your, your dissertation? I'd say, what makes a place fun? Oh, that was as far as it ever went. Um, <laughs> So, but, but, but my, my, and the thing is, the dissertation's done and, and no one will ever read it, and that's fine because it's not what it's for. But if you did read it, it's actually readable, right? I mean, I, it's not, it's not, it's, it's rough and it's, you know, it's got its own problems, but it's, it's about something that you can understand. It's like, it's not like something that you just couldn't figure out what I was talking about. I mean, it kind of follows an argument. In my world, there should be more research out of the university that's like that, right? Even if it's super technical, that it's about things that actually make sense to people. And I realize that you know scholarship needs the details as well as the big frameworks. But um, in my world, there would be more of those. There'd be more things. You just go to like a list of dissertations and go like, that sounds interesting. So I feel like I can't remember the source, but I heard once that the more complicated your job title is, the less important you are. Like, if you can just say, I'm the CEO of a company, or I'm the president of the United States, like, that's very concise. But if you have to tell someone, like, oh, well, I do this, and then some of the time I'm this other thing, and my title has 15 words in it, it's like, oh, so you're you're a cog, you're completely replaceable. Yeah, that's an interesting thesis. Because there's so much machinery in describing what you do. Yeah, if you can't just say, like, I'm an artist, I'm a carpenter, I'm a plumber. So does this reach, like, full ego heights of, like, I am Apple? Or like, yes, I never thought about it that way, but yes, that is the logical like, extension. Well, one thing I would like to point out is that you know the nice thing about the F minus is that it suddenly it fills your head up so much it's sort of hard to talk about anything else, and then you're like your show's over. <laughs> so okay, we, let's we'll do our normal rollout. Is there Somewhere online, people could follow up with you if they wanted to know more about the F minus Twitter, yeah. or the, just the, about you. The Facebook, the Gmail. Where do people find you? You know, I have a website buzzcut.com that I update about once a quarter, and um, it's more often than a lot of bloggers. Yeah, well, I've been at it for a long time. Yeah, you know, that's I'm not I'm I'm uh, I'm not I'm I'm uh, I'm a social media reprobate. I don't post a lot, but. I guess I should. Buzzcut.com? Buzzcut.com. At least you can find my email there and send me an email. You can invite me to come speak extensively about the F-minus at your next corporate event. So. <laughs> the personality color theory of F-minus. I think so, yeah. Uh, how did that not come up? <laughs> Are there any personality color theory letter 
designations, astronomy, astrological things that are not an F minus. <laughs> oh, I you know I I don't mind them. I think they're all just sort of like these like screens that you put over stuff. It's like like the thing is like people get obsessed with disc assessments or Myers Briggs or color or whatever. But like you know I like the ones that are like you know like my friend Bill Amundsen's funny artist guy said once he goes there's really only two kinds of people in the world there's Munsters people and there's Adams Family people. And so I like these sort of like these all these dichotomies. I think you could probably create really interesting, rich personality things out of that. And then there are people who like have not heard of the Munsters nor of the Adams family. And those are the people that I don't hang out with. So I, I would love to go to a corporate event. And be like, if you think you're a Munsters person, drags up. So David Lyons, are you a Munsters or Adams family? I would say I because I watched both, but I definitely prefer the Adams family. Okay, and Mike. I don't know. <laughs> See, Mike hates these personality tests. I hate. I'm I mean, not I, part of your system. I don't know what that <laughs> says about me because I enjoy the monsters. But if if I was on a desert island and I could only take one monster family from classic television, <laughs> yeah, so, it would be the Adams family. And here's for me. It's just like like I really really wish I was an Adams family person, but I I know deep down I'm a monsters <laughs> person. <laughs> So true. you hold Adams Family people in I high guess, regard. I, see, I love the aesthetic of the Adams Family. I love that really dark sense of humor. I, I want people to see me as an Adams Family person, but I'm totally a monster. It's just I'm just too goofy to. Like, I mean, I'm a monsters person. That's okay. That's you see, need a, you need a badge that declares you openly. Yeah. I like this because it just sort of exposes how arbitrary all of these personality yeah. metric things are. Well, you should do a whole show on on like dichotomies, you know, these these binaries that you could start to construct personality tests out of. I used to have a whole bunch of them I used to ask people because it was a conversation starter. But you know, like like uh, like uh, like what's funnier, clowns or monkeys? Monkeys. This is yeah, where clearly. you need the Jack Handy to come in. At. You know, like would, I'd rather be rich than stupid. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> Maybe the greatest false dichotomy I've ever heard summed up in one sentence. Like, well, why is it one or the other? I was, I was thinking, what kind of person are you, Coke or Pepsi? But I think which is funnier, clowns or monkeys, is a way better, more accurate way to get a beat on someone. Yeah, because, you know, Coke and Pepsi, they're, that, that's, I don't know yeah. if that's very indicative. You know, I'm trying to think of, like, some other things. I think the Munsters Adams family is probably pretty definitive. That one's tough because I feel like as time goes on, you will start to encounter people who are like, I don't know what you just asked me. I know, but those are the kinds of people you don't want to hang out with. <laughs> so you just cross them off your list. There's oh, you're, you're an F-minus person. So there's, an old, there's an old Dave Barry column, you know, the, the Florida you know, mm-hmm. uh, newspaper co- humor columnist, and he said something about people that were humor impaired, right? And he says, if I write a joke making fun of the president – he says, some people think that joke is funny. He says, those people aren't humor impaired. They got that it was funny. He says, some people say, I didn't think that was funny. It's not appropriate to make fun of the president. He said, those people aren't humor impaired. They understand that it's humor. They just don't think it's funny. He says, it's all the people out there that don't even realize that I was trying to make a joke. Those people are humor impaired, right? So I think that there's a certain sense that I always thought ever since I read that, I thought, those are the kinds of people I don't want to hang out with. I yeah. can't hang out with humor-impaired people because it's just like my life is too funny. <laughs> I think the Monsters Adams Family thing is if there's a trialectic, if there's a third corner to it, the people that haven't heard of the Monsters of the Adams Family, unless, you know, they're from, they're like from another land, you know, and I'm interested but, in that. Far off but if they, if, if, they sh- if they live in my culture and they should have seen the Adams Family or the Monsters and they haven't, I don't think that I have a lot to talk about. <laughs> 
That's just the tip of the iceberg of social of, of like cultural illiteracy. Yeah. I, now I can. I, I have every once in a while encountered people who swear that they've never heard Beatles music. Like oh, I don't really listen to pop. And I'm like you can't have ever been in a public building and not heard the Beatles. Yeah, my five-year-old can sing Beatles songs. Yeah. Not a lot of them, but, it's, you know. Yeah, you don't have to be obsessed with 60s and 70s culture. It's, it's just is part it like of American a, is life. Is it like a badge of pride for them? Because there's this weird class of people that, like, yes. make it their mission in life to say the Beatles aren't the greatest. Yes. Which is fine that they're not the greatest, but when it becomes, like, part of your identity that they're not the greatest. Well, I feel like, uh, and I think we actually have on our, our future rundown to do a wire cutter thing. But this, I, I went, and I'm, I'm, I'm outing myself. I went through this. When I first <laughs> I don't stopped, own the TV. Yes. Yes, exactly <laughs> that. When I first stopped having cable... I was very proud, like, I don't watch television. And then I was like, no, I watch about six hours of TV a week. It's just on the internet. <laughs> and then now I've kind of refined it down to, like, I I try to be careful about what I watch. I just don't, like, channel So channel I think serve. that you guys need to have a whole episode on being holier than thou. Yes. Just, well, that's I, I was absolutely doing that, and I have tried to stop. And that makes me a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore... So I don't want to cut your show short, but I got to go put money in my meter. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this up. Yeah, that wasn't a good. Note Where can people though. find you, David Lines? People can find me at Lines in Beta on Twitter or LinesInBeta dot com. Where can people find you, Michael? Medwards Music on Twitter or pseudomichael.com and where can they find the show notes this awkward back and forth <laughs> <laughs> these show notes are at flippingtablespodcast.com slash 015 for episode 15 and we threw a couple really good YouTube videos in there there's the Billy Madison clip and I also found uh, Dr. David Thompson's TEDx Boulder talk and that's about fun. It is about fun. What makes a place fun? Yeah, and if you want to get a hold of me, just call Mike or Lyons. Yeah, yeah just find us. I book them all my appointments through the Flipping <laughs> Tables uh, World Network. As any worthwhile person would. And as our last thing, what do you think our F- is? Send us your examples. Yes, please do. Yes. <laughs> yes. So thanks for being on, Dr. David Thomas. My pleasure. Definitely a C+. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs>